It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Nobody needs to be informed. They, I don't think, anyway, if you're listening to this or watching this, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays are down one nothing in their uh, best of three with Tampa Bay. A 3-1 loss in game one that I think was about what we should have expected and probably did expect. A low-scoring game, the Blue Jays having trouble scoring runs. But there are lots of little pieces to this puzzle and who better to try and sort it out with us than uh, Buck Martinez uh, one of the voices of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Bucko you look beautiful how are you okay? I'm doing great good to be with you guys today. Um, Let's start with the shoemaker situation Uh, at the end of the day the fact that he only pitched three innings and he only threw 35 pitches was was shocking Um, and yet it had almost no impact I don't think on the outcome of the game if he'd thrown another inning, if he'd thrown 15, 20 more pitches, um, you know, the same progression of things presumably would have happened. So, um, but it was, it seemed clear to have been a decision that was made before the game started, a, a decision that has become very common in baseball and flies against, I think, what you have grown up in this sport believing and i certainly have that once the first pitch is thrown the decisions are essentially in the hands of the manager give me your two cents on that scenario well bob this has been going on for a while i know Uh, to the 17 world series the dodgers took out rich hill when he was dealing and um, it's been universal. It's not just the Blue Jays. It's all over baseball. Sure. And the computers have basically ripped the heart out of the game because it's a black and white game now. You don't get paid for being Bob Gibson or Tom Seaver or Sandy Koufax or Don Drysdale anymore for going out there. You don't get paid for Mickey Lolich winning three games in a World Series. It's all about how can we just justify all of these different moves and, and, and prove to everybody we're smarter than the other guy. And you know what? Matt Shoemaker was dealing. There was no concern whatsoever. He was in total control of that game. And he was shocked afterwards. He knew that the scenario was he was going to start. Robbie Ray was going to follow him. But after the postgame show, he said, I was surprised I only pitched three innings and 35 pitches. And you know what? When they took him out, Randy Rosarena was a right-handed batter, the first batter that Ray faces. Well, hit who hits the triple, right? And he scores on a wild pitch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ray, that's the only hit Ray gave up. And you could say, well, Ray did his job. Well, psychologically, as a player, when I'm facing a guy that's not giving up anything like Shoemaker, and you make a pitching change, I feel better no matter who they bring in. I agree. I already know what we're doing against Shoemaker. And the next guy, you don't know. 
So I'll take my chances with the next guy because I've already made a lot of outs against the first guy. So I think psychologically that was a boost for Tampa Bay. But, but Shoemaker and Ray did give the team pitching that was good enough in that first in those first six innings if the bats were any good. I mean, yeah. oh, I sure. mean this was a classic case of a team a, a team that isn't as good that that you know in other sports you had a chance to win and you you just couldn't make it work. John, the Blue Jays out hit the Rays. But the defense – no, but but here's the thing. I'll tell you what, the Rays' defense was at the right place at the right time a couple of times. Adonis, those couple of plays Adonis made, yeah. Three times. Uh, Adonis made three plays on line drives over base hits in a normal situation. So you got to give him credit for that. Um, mm -hmm. Hard hit balls. You know, one of the hits that uh, Tampa Bay had was a check swing grounder off the bat of uh, Brandon Lau up the third baseline against the shift. So sure. they didn't hit the ball hard except for the home run. Manuel Margot had a cutter that was inside. I think the cutter is the most overused pitch in the game. It's a it's a bad fastball. That's all it is. One and home run that, in the one home run in the regular season. One home run yeah. in the post game postseason now. Yeah, but he's had seasons of thirteen and twelve home runs in the past. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he never hits them. But yeah, it was unusual. And and when you think about it, this is typical postseason baseball. Somebody that you don't expect is going to step up and have a big game, like Pat Borders. And like Rick Dempsey, like Blake Doyle. And there's a bunch of guys in the past that have had great postseasons that, uh, you know, weren't the regular players that you expected to have those kind of games. Uh, look, there's the, I can't dispute the, uh, the, the reality that the Blue Jays out hit Tampa Bay. The Blue Jays pitching was good enough, generally speaking, to win. If you, if you can't score three runs in a game, you're going to lose 90% of the time. You're going to lose. That's for sure. Yeah, and 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 that's in the essence of, of what happened. Um, so I wanted to touch on the shoemaker situation because it's out there, but I think I started off by saying at the end of the day it was really irrelevant. It wasn't pitching that hurt this team, and it wasn't that decision that caused um, a loss. Right. Let, let's get to a somewhat more generic and yet compelling. Uh, scenario, and that is who plays where in game two. <laughs> and, and, and here is Buck, we've been waiting for this. Here, yeah. here we, here's, the, here's the Rowdy Tellez speech. Here it comes. Go well, ball. Um, Rowdy Tellez walks to the plate last night, and the reference that is made is to, is to Kirk Gibson from the uh, when he hit the home run off Eckersley for the Dodgers when there was doubt as to whether Gibson could make it to first base if he hit a line drive to left field. There was a chance the left fielder might have thrown him out at first base, as ridiculous as that sounds. We hadn't seen Rowdy Tellez in weeks. We had no idea how badly he was hurt. We presumed, and I think you probably mentioned it, Buck, that if Tellez did hit, there's like a 90% chance they're going to put a pinch runner in for him. Well, that didn't happen either. And he's no gazelle, but he didn't look bad going around the bases. So right. this is, there's a lot of preamble in here. But at the end of the day, um, I want Kirk's bat in the lineup. I want Tellez's bat in the lineup. I want Biggio somewhere in the infield. Um, and you've got to have Guerrero's bat in the lineup. I want all those things to take place. 
But the only way that can happen, I think, is if Guerrero plays third base. And that hasn't happened. And that commitment was made a long time ago. And you can argue he's not a great defensive third baseman, but guess what? As he demonstrated last night, he ain't exactly a great defensive first baseman. So okay. what are you going to do, Mr. Manager? <laughs> Here we go. That's all a, a lot of great uh, what-ifs, okay? Yeah, I give, I I, I, Rowdy, give it. I saw Rowdy Tellez take batting practice and run the bases before games in Buffalo. Yep. And he slid he slid into bases. He proved to the manager and the coaches that he was fine, okay? Uh, as far as Guerrero playing third, that's not going to happen, and I'll tell you why. Because Ryu's pitching. And there's a going to pull balls down to third base, and he's going to get some action. Okay, I I would like to see Rowdy's bat in the lineup as well, and I think Rowdy's going to be the DH, and Vladdy plays first, and Kirk's not going to be anything other than a bat off the bench, and I think that's what everybody expected. We anticipated he'd be the DH in Game One against Snell. I don't think he's going to catch. I know he's not going to catch Ryu, because he's a hard guy to catch, and Danny's done okay with him. Uh, but I would get Rowdy's bat in the lineup tonight and let him face Glasnow twice and then the bullpen two more times. So he's swinging the bat okay. But um, it's going to be hard to not have his bat in the lineup. I still think Vladdy's going to go off. Gurriel's swinging the bat well. Teoscar's got a chance. And you know what? If Ryu does his job, the Blue Jays will win game two. Well, if I had my druthers, and uh, respectfully, I don't disagree with you. I know what's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just opining on what. This is you know. the beauty of baseball. Well, of this course is it is, and then we do this absolutely. Yeah, there's no black and white, except the computers are trying to prove us that there's black and white. And ah, screw the, screw the computers, <laughs> screw technology. I got two eyes and a bit of a brain left, and uh, I think I can figure things out. Look, in my world, Biggio is playing second base. I'm not sure who the next best second baseman is on this team. I'm not sure that there is a next best second no. baseman. He's, he's going to play second base tonight. He'll play second base tonight. Shaw will probably play third, and uh, Rowdy will be DH. Yeah, but let's face it, Bob, you, you would have had Ryu start yesterday. Me? I mean, wouldn't no, you? I would not. In fact, I tweeted yesterday quite the opposite. Oh. Once they once they made the decision to go with Shoemaker in the first game, and I'm not privileged um, as terms of the all the information going behind that, but I accept it. So Shoe starts game one. What I did say is, if the Blue Jays win game one, Ryu would not start until game three. Because no, game two and that. game three are the exact same scenario. No, no, you I can shake your head, Buck. No, the, the computer had already decided who was the starter in games one and two. You got them down, and then you have your ace going with them down. And you, yeah. and you, you, you oh, think I that don't was – I care. You, 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 know what I, you know what I care about? I care about if I got them one down, I'll take a chance that the other guy, Walker, can come in and, and win it in two straight. In and then I got Ryu starting in game one of the next series. You encourage them that they're going to get back in this series. That's the same thing that happened in 85 when Brett hit two home runs and drove in five. Mm. He got back into the series, and it was over. Well, but he I don't think Brett's still playing, series. to be honest with you. So the relevance of that is kind of lost on me, Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, I Buck, don't think I'm facing George Brett. Buck, what's it like to, to face a pitching staff in, in Tampa that they just seem to roll out big big arms all the time? Castillo, Anderson, 
Fairbanks. That's that's a lot of depth. We 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 might actually see all three guys again today, maybe, right? Yeah, except I don't think you'll see Anderson. Okay. Anderson, I think, threw 29 pitches, and he might be down for today. That was the most he's pitched all season, right? So I don't think you'll see Anderson, but you might see the other guys. Yeah. But the whole thing is, this is what Tampa Bay has done since Joe Madden was there. They always have good bullpens. They, they had Troy Percival back in 2008. And they always had guys that threw hard, and they always matched up, and that's the way they play the game. And that's why, you know, Kevin Cash, he, you know, and, and I don't believe players like it. I think they know it, it works. I think Blake Snell wanted to be out there. There's nothing like walking off the field with your team. But like I said, that's been gone. That's out of the game now. We had one starter pitch seven innings this year, and that was Ryu's last start. That's right. He's the only guy that threw a pitch in the seventh inning. Yep. Um, let me ask you this. This is a real fundamental thing, but as a former player, former manager, and a guy who's been around this game your entire damn life, um, what we saw last night was a lot of guys, especially in the first five innings, chasing breaking balls in the dirt. Um, and I'm wondering, I'm not trying to be critical of it. I'm, I'm asking. No, it's can, a great question. Can you, can you teach a player, and more specifically perhaps a young player, can you say to them before a game, do not swing at the breaking ball? You're good enough to hit the fastball. He's going to throw you some fastballs. He throws a lot of breaking balls that are outside the zone that you're never going to hit anyway. Is that even possible, Buck? No. I'll tell you why. Explain why. Blake Snell threw 13 of 19 first pitch strikes. Eight times in the ball game, he was 0-2. So now you've got to chase pitches because he's ahead all the time. And he threw breaking balls for strikes, too. It wasn't just fastballs. No, I know. So everybody says, well, why did they chase? Because he's ahead of you all the time, and he's got one of the best breaking balls in the world. It's like facing Sandy Koufax. Colfax bounced a lot of breaking balls, too, and I guarantee you there was a lot of chase when he pitched. This guy pitched up in the zone with his fastball, down in the zone with his breaking ball, and threw the slider inside. He pitched a beautiful game. Oh, sure he, he did. Gave a Kirk got a hit on a changeup. But 13 of 19 first pitch strikes, 8 of 19 plate appearances, the Blue Jays hitters were 0-2. There's not much they can do. No, but some of that, like not all of those were called strikes. Some of those are swinging strikes. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just trying to no, understand. The point is, when the ball comes out of his hand in the same plane as a fastball, you pick it up halfway thinking it's a fastball and it breaks, you're going to chase it. Mm -hmm. you, that's what happens with great pitchers. I mean, 15 you've got to play less. clean baseball, and you can't make mistakes to beat great pitchers. And the Blue Jays were four and three against Blake Snell in his career. So they have beat him in the past. Yeah. You know, get one guy to run into one. And, you know, that's that's how you beat good pitchers. Get a couple guys on, somebody hits a three-run home run, and you win three to nothing. Glasnow's beatable? Pardon me? The, the, the Tampa pitcher, Glasnow, he's beatable today? Oh, absolutely. He's got a, like a three-six earn run average. You know, the perfect scenario for all of this is what happened in Cleveland last night? That was supposed to be a slam dunk. Oh, yeah. That was supposed to be Cleveland one nothing over the Yankees, and Judge hits a home run off Shane Bieber, and the roof caved in. Yep. So baseball is probably the most unpredictable sport in the world. You just don't know. 
Shane Bieber, there's not a person. I bet you, Bob, you know the odds in Vegas. I bet you the odds were through the roof that Shane Bieber was going to beat the Yankees. I didn't see the number to tell you the truth, Buck, but I, yeah. I would agree with you anecdotally. Yeah. I mean, Bieber well, looked got, like he's going to win. We're start of the year. So you just don't know. And you know what? I believe, and we've seen it all, all year with these kids, they forget losses. They, they're so young, they don't care. It's like, okay, well, that was fun. Let's do it again tomorrow. Well, and they also, last night, they went, well, they, well, they go five innings and didn't have a hit and then started to yeah. get their, maybe get their confidence, start mm -hmm. figuring things out. And, um, you know, they, didn't, they weren't <laughs> able to they, mount enough, it. but they, they were hitting the ball. I'd say that's a good question, uh, Buck. Would you, did you get a sense that this team was nervous last not night, playoffs? Not at all? Not at all. Not at all. No, we so. heard Bo before the game. He was talking about confidence. We're having a lot of fun. We go out there. We know they're a good team. We respect them. We believe they respect us. There wasn't a sense. I didn't see anybody look nervous, look out of control. I think they're going to be the same we've seen all year long tonight. Uh, we hope this, uh, you know, Blue Jays fans hope that this uh, series uh, extends for at least one more day, and it would be um, really intriguing if it extends beyond this series. But if it ends tonight, Buck, what will be the, your analysis of this season? I think in a general sense, it was pretty positive, and you, it, there is reason to be optimistic for the future, regardless of a win or a loss tonight. Your thoughts? Exactly, Bob. I agree with you. I think the schedule was rushed a year and a half, if not two years, for them to get in the postseason under unusual circumstances. The extra right. playoff round, we understand that. But the experience this team gained playing the Yankees 10 times in the last 20 games of a season mm -hmm. and then going into a series against Tampa Bay in the postseason is invaluable to their growth. You know, we got the youngest position player roster in baseball. And now, they're going through this for the first time, and they're going to realize, hey, you know what? We're pretty good. And if we do some things and fill some voids and guys come and Nate Pearson becomes a starter and Thomas Hatch becomes a starter next year and Ryan Barucki and, and Anthony Kay compete, who knows? So I think they have learned immensely about themselves. This team got pummeled in Yankee Stadium, and they could have caved in right there. They should have, they but they didn't. Yeah. They came back and won three out of four in Buffalo. Buck, how much of that was because these kids have come up together and they That's can rely on each other? It has a lot to do with it. If you watch them in the dugout, they're like brothers. Everybody's mixing and everybody's talking, and it's not just Biggio and Bichette. It's Jonathan Davis. It's Gurriel. It's Guerrero. It's Hernandez. They're all together, and they have played together. And Teoscar said it specifically. He said, we care about each other. He said, when I first got here, the veterans weren't very open and welcoming to us. Mm. Now this is our team, and this is who we care about, and we want to win together. And I think you've seen it all year long. One of the subjects that's come up, I've heard this um, opinion from a variety of people. Some There's of a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, some of whom I respect more than others. But... The there, I don't say it's a consensus. That's the wrong word. There is an opinion that Pearson will and should start at AAA next year. Do you buy that? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I, I think it's a possibility, but do, would you is what I can't would make that, that determination? 
watching him come back in spring training. He tried to pitch to the scouting report this year, and that was the wrong thing for him to do. He should have pitched to his strengths. His strengths is fastball down in the zone, which makes his breaking ball better because of his delivery. In order to get the ball down in the zone, you have to drive through your delivery. They wanted him to pitch upstairs, and all those balls got away from him. Then his breaking ball become very mediocre. But when he's down, like he threw the first pitch when he came back, 100 miles an hour at the knees for a strike. Mm -hmm. He needs to pitch down in the zone and then elevate occasionally, not every pitch. He's not a high fastball pitcher. He's a low fastball pitcher. If he comes into spring training, pitching like he did in the minor leagues before this season, he will open up starting for the Blue Jays next year. You, you, you spoke um, earlier about, uh, you, you know, the game two. You expect Vladdy Guerrero to be better. Um, he, where do you think he is in his development, Buck? Because I, I think there's probably a lot of fans that are saying, gosh, he, he's not what the hype was all about early on. And, and where, what, what happens with him and, and how does he get better through this? I think you said the word that's the key to all of this, the hype. Mm. When he came up, we had press conference in Toronto. We had press conference in Anaheim. We had press conference in Texas. And now it's ridiculous. It's like they made him a Hall of Famer before he ever played it in the big leagues. Yeah. And he wasn't able to handle that. There was too high of expectations on him. Juan Soto came up with less flash and less attention and less hoopla. And he's established himself as a superstar. Vladdy has that same kind of ability. He's got to take better care of himself. He's got to get in better shape. But the last two weeks of the season, we saw the bat speed come back. And I think he's going to be fine. And next year, he gets a whole spring at first base. I think it'll be serviceable over there as well. You got to stop that mom's cooking, I think. That's the thing. Grandma. <laughs> Well, Grandma, I, look, I, I'm not, I agree 100% with Buck, what Buck says. The kid's 21 years old. Uh, let's not get bent out of shape here. You know, uh, three yeah. years from now, we can sit down and have an evaluation. Listen, this town has chewed out in every sport. This town has chewed out young stars with all that hype. They do it they, everywhere. Done it, they, I know, they, but they I'm just saying, I'm just saying that there's got to be, uh, I, I asked the question because I think there's a giant giant level of patience that needs to be done with Guerrero over the next couple of years before anything happens. Yeah. A couple of years. I think you'll be fine. And you know what? We go by 1,500 at-bats. 1,500 at-bats is basically three full seasons in the major leagues. And then you have a pretty good idea what you have as a player. When Jose Bautista came here and really blossomed in 2010, he was 29 years old. It took him a while to figure it out, and then he became a superstar. He mm -hmm. wasn't always a superstar. No, he was just a guy when he came over from He Pittsburgh. was an extra player. He was a yeah. player. He had it click at age 29. Hey, did, did hey Oscar help him. <laughs> had it click at age 27. Laddie's 21. He's going to be fine. Uh, let me ask you this. We don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you got a game, but... Um... Buck doesn't need oh. to prepare. Buck How doesn't many? need to prepare. He knows more about this stuff than anybody else. He can just sit there and tell us what happens. No, but he's not as young as he used to be. None of us are. That's he may need a sure. nap before the I game. I agree with that. <laughs> may need a little <laughs> siesta. Um, so, Lord knows I do. So, um, best guess, how many of these 
rotation, starting rotation of five, do you think are on this roster right now? Or I won't even say on the roster, in the Blue Jays organization right now. Next year, starting five. Uh, I would say they'll add two starting pitchers to this roster. I think there'll be two starters coming from outside the organization. Wow. Yeah, and would you – given what has happened this year, because the quality of starting pitcher that you go and get is can vary very dramatically. You can get some guy off the scrap heap that you're paying $4 million to or whatever who might be okay – but he's a fourth or fifth guy, or you could go and see if there's another Ryu kind of guy exactly. out there. And is which of those two are you more likely to, to do? Get another Ryu. Yeah. I, and, and you think the they're ready. The, the attractiveness of the season will draw more players. Ryu, who thought we'd get Ryu this year? Not me. And I still believe Russell Martin had a lot to do with that. Ryu and Martin are very close. They played together at the Dodgers, and he's saying, hey, Toronto's going to be a destination in another couple of years with all those good players, and you'll love the town. It'll be right up your alley, multicultural. They love baseball. Go ahead and sign it. They make you a good offer, sign it. And Ryu stayed at Russell's house all throughout the pandemic, throughout the shutdown. Right. So I think he had a lot to do with it. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm thinking the relationship and Russell's association with Toronto in Canada in general, I think he had a lot to do with it. And now that the Blue Jays have been in the postseason, all of a sudden it becomes a destination. Yep. Toronto wasn't a destination until 85, 91, 92, 93. Then you had Jack Morris, Dave Stewart, Ricky Henderson, David Cohn, Dave Winfield. They all wanted to play here. When Mark Burley came here from Miami, he came kicking and screaming, you'll remember. He did. He couldn't bring his dogs. He couldn't come up here. His family was in Chicago. In a month, he was recruiting people. In a month. you got to come to Toronto. It's the greatest place in the league. I'm on my couch seven minutes after I leave the clubhouse. It was an hour for me to drive home in Chicago. There's a lot of wonderful things about playing for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, and I don't disagree with you. that um, I, I think you, you said this much earlier. The... the um, the calendar has advanced more quickly this year than we thought yes, it would. For sure. Uh, we thought 2022 would be a year where this team could emerge. And here we are two years sooner, and they are emerging. And it appears to me, and I think to you too, Buck, that uh, the acquisition of one front-of-the-rotation starter and another solid back-of-the-rotation guy mm. um, might be enough combined with the experience that these guys are going through to make this team a real contender next year. Yes. And you have Alec Manoa, Simeon Woods Richardson coming. You got you guys coming. Yeah. Eric, Eric Bardino coming. You have uh, Pearson who's going to knock on the door. Hatch is knocking on the door, maybe Merriweather. So there are mm. a lot of pieces, but I agree. You bring in one more frontline starter and all of a sudden it validates what you're trying to do. It pushes those other kids as well, and it motivates the whole organization. You know, like every other sport, uh, minor pro baseball has been really hurt uh, by the pandemic. What happens if what happens if AAA and AA and A ball aren't being able to be played next year? How much influence will that have in where the Jays are? 
it'll have everything to do with it, John. If, if that's the case, I don't think we'll have Major League Baseball next year. Well, but they, they went through they, – they got through this 60-game season. You can't go two seasons without developing people. You're cutting off your blood supply. I, I think that that's I think that's probably a concern that it, that that uh, guys like Mark and, and Ross have when when you think about all the all the young all guys the teams. all yeah but, the yeah. yeah but we only care about the Jays. Hey, look, I got a I got a question for you. Is Kirk I, here. I know is Kirk even here? If uh, there's a minor league season, no. Yeah. No. So sometimes good and comes from and apparently you know not good. Gabe Moreno is better. Hmm. Uh, we'll let you go. You got a game to get ready for, and uh, you got to have right. a nap. We know that. <laughs> Good time spending with you. Good to see you both. Nice to see you. Thanks, pal. We we enjoyed it as always. Right. Uh, Blue Jays broadcaster Buck Martinez. Uh, we'll uh, see you next time. This is All the right. podcast.